Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the WOG! Asked? We some work on some video games and other topics from the gaming industry. Today with me and Bam Bam. Hello everyone. Woo! We did the other <laughs> show. <laughs> it's a special episode. Uh, it's gonna be just released for Patreons and Twitch subscribers. So... If you hear this and you are aren't either, we will send Hitman Forty Seven after you. Depending how his yeah, depending how his contract with Square Enix goes. Yeah, exactly. Depending how his contract. Aren't they independent now? Did IO Interactive not buy the rights back? I they might have, but they're still publishing all the games anyway. Uh no, they're self-publishing. Oh, are they? Okay. I, I, I think were... so. Let me let me let me get up. They are I'm gonna check. No, it's on Steam. It says it's Warner Brothers Interactive publishing Hitman Two. Mm, I think that IO Interactive still has their has bought their rights back from Square Enix. Mm -hmm. They might have gone with another publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. because they even got now. When you look at the IO page, they even have their uh, Freedom Fighters game back. Yes, I. I know, and oh no, Avalanche. Avalanche is the one that has a publishing or no, not IO. I think no. they do because it's related to their to the Generation Zero thing they released a couple of years ago. That was one of their like indie support uh, initiatives. Yeah, exactly. And they also have published Second Extinction. But that's not why we are here today. We actually want to talk about something else. We want to talk about a hot button topic. But first we are going to talk about Ghost Runner. And that hot button topic is related to Ghost Runner because it always pops up when a game like Ghost Runner releases. I think the discussion is actually going on again because of Ghost Runner. Yeah, in that's some, for sure. In some smaller circles. I will not end this discussion today, but I want to give my five cents to it, and that's all. We start with Ghost Runner. What is Ghost Runner? Ghost Runner is a let's say, parkour action game that marries Mirror's Edge and Hotline Miami. That's how I would describe it. Bam Bam, how would you describe it? That's the exact uh, description I came up with when I was describing it to everyone I was talking about it who didn't know what the game was. That's <laughs> probably the easiest visual to get. It's Daz, mobility and momentum of mirror's edge translated into the super fast high consequences action of hotline miami exactly and that what makes it perfect this is one of my favorite releases of the year so far it is that fast paced it is that action oriented i've heard people say okay i don't like the combat system because it's just one slice and done i think that is a not valid criticism of the game because the combat itself or there is not the point the point of the game or you could also argue that the combat also includes the movement which is more or less also a valid point to make 
but I think the overall package is not just to press a button and slice the enemy in half. I think the entirety of the game is that you move forward towards the enemy in whatever way you want, because the game gives you actually a little bit of flexibility in the combat arenas. There's no one set way you have to go around to kill your enemies. Rather, you have some flexibility, so you can move around in those combat areas. The movement is just also part of the combat. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. The in the lead up to it. And my favorite part of this game is actually the combat. I mean, I also like it a lot, but I think the parkouring is a little bit less fun. The combat is what makes this game actually amazing. Yeah, I think it's the whole package that makes Ghost Runner what it is and what what it, why is it so good? Because neither of its elements really stand out on their own. Like I can compare the parkour style of movement and how it's you know focused on you finding your way through the environment without having like a, an easy path through. It's still much easier than say Mirror's Edge because in, because in Mirror's Edge the entire game is movement and there is so much more that put into your consideration. It's like how fast are you going now? Can you you know shift your momentum? You're using your weight more compared to way to way you traverse levels in Prince of Persia games. In the older ones, like Sense of Time, where you're within. That and, the good uh, ones. Good yeah, ones. yeah, the good ones, yeah. More so here in Ghost Runner, uh, the enemies might as, well, might as well just be mannequins in a way that each behave differently and they act as switches to let you through to another area. Yeah. And the movement is the main thing. That's why I think it's more of a that's why the game even is called Ghost Runner in a way. Because you still more it's still putting more emphasis on the movement and finding your way around. For the player that's the way even engage with enemies. You don't engage with the enemies normally. You always have to find a way where you can just come in, slice and then dash off in the next half a second otherwise you're dead because there's other enemies that are going to be shooting at you yeah i i like the the way you interpreted it as basically switches or switches that are very dangerous yeah. because you have to activate them in in a certain manner or capacity and even i like that they essentially towards the later part of the game they even switch it up there comes in a type of enemies that essentially you can't engage with with your sword you can just run away from them or use a power up to kill them from distance there is no set surface that works in a single manner so say you can pretty much wall run on every single wall so instead of using say the set path you can use your dash to essentially wall run on uh, on surfaces that are 90 degrees to each other i would just use that because there's surfaces uh, there's like big pillars that i could wall run on so i would use that essentially to i guess a little bit idle essentially out of bounds and just use that to dash uh, on these pillars out of the way of these like uh, these like self uh, self-destructing enemies that will also kill me and essentially circumvent that by finding an alternate way through which was really cool yeah that sounds really cool actually so yeah that that is that is actually what what a what a good game actually should do it should Introduce the mechanics and then give you everything or all tools you need to circumvent the challenges it throws at you. Sometimes it might be just a good idea to think a little bit outside of the box with games. Oh yeah. 
they sometimes want you to do that. I'm all for it. Uh, Ghost Runner is a game where you can do that. And the only thing that the tutorial is sometimes or is a little bit unclear sometimes, yeah. I think. They don't do a good job of communicating what you can do or how you can do it. Because essentially what they just say to you, you stash in every situation you find yourself in. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they don't tell you that you should really release any directional input when you're wall running because you will automatically run on the wall. And if you sometimes, in some sequences, you have to be super precise. So holding any direction like WASD, whatever, is going to essentially ruin your momentum. So essentially, once you're on a wall, they don't tell you that you should let go of these and just use your mouse and place bar to jump in between the obstacles before you're again on like a flat ground where you have to uh, use your input. Yeah, that's something you just told me essentially. Or that you should really look where you're jumping because usually if you look a bit up above the level, you will jump uh, more, your arc will go higher. So it's a good way to get into a more stable position when you're war running as you're slowly going down. Yeah, that's that's something I I could do though. That's something I realized as well. So you have to be precisely looking mm -hmm. where you want to go. But I also yes. think that the one, one one other thing I think they don't communicate very well is like how far reaching your dash is. At some points, because the dash has big reach, and I mean like a really big reach, and yeah. how far your attack will reach as well. That That's something you have to experiment with and find out, and I would, everyone who has the game and who listens to this, encourage you, if you laid it down and were like, oh god, no, just try it out and try to experiment with what you got, because it it's actually a lot of fun once you get it going. Yeah, even the grappling upgrade, which you get really early, you can use it to break some sequences because the reach on a grapple is like extremely long to a degree. You can uh, also, if something goes wrong, if you miss a jump or anything and there's something in the area where you can grapple on, you can yeah. also basically mitigate that mistake you just made mm -hmm. by grappling onto something. I saved yeah. my ass once or twice by just grappling or panic grappling mm -hmm. into the ether. Yeah, and just caught something, yeah. There's also one of the bosses. You fought the giant laser pillar, right? No, but I'm running up to that one. That's that's a boss I actually managed to break because I realized that I don't have to follow essentially the sequence of platforms and dodge the lasers. I could just grapple to this essentially one of the early grapple points, look up and essentially propel my, my, myself about two stories high and just then continue grapple on the last couple of grapples before I can finish that sequence of the boss essentially breaking it but it's extremely cool that that's in the game and that they thought of it that it, there is it, that it actually doesn't break the fight is just oh yeah that's that's entirely possible so go ahead go mad you know with it so the game is when it comes to the core mechanics very well made yes it mm -hmm. seems it, there's been intense qa testing good qa testing it's not focus tested to hell no but definitely it had really good QA testing. I think that the two biggest gripes I have with the game, I haven't finished it yet, but I already heard other people say that it's 
very short. Yes, so it's about four and a half hours. Yeah. If you plan on just playing this game once, it might be maybe a little bit on the short side, but if you're like somebody who wants to improve their runs and their running time and their death counter, then... There's collectibles as well. Yeah, then you should definitely look into it because the game gives you plenty of that. This game also lends itself very well to speedrunning. Yeah, this is pretty much speedrunning the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically speedrunning the game. And there's I... nothing wrong with it. No. That's, that's, I think, what makes it work so well because it's so fine-tuned and they knew what they were going for that it just super well works that way. And I enjoy it. Like, yes, it's short, but... I see myself, you know, going back to it and trying to at least do like a deathless run at some point, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the uh, critics or at the at the reviews on GOG.com. That's the platform where I got the game from. Yeah, actually, someone also says Hotline Miami plus Mirror's Edge. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the easiest comparison to make. Yeah. I don't know if it's an entirely fair comparison to make. No, it's not. It's just... But it's, it's probably the easiest one to explain really quickly yep. to someone what you what you kind of have with the game. If you want to go for this game, you have a short description, Mirror's Edge and Hotline Miami, if you can imagine playing both at once. Obviously with its own set of quirks and everything, and can imagine doing it multiple times because... Like we said, it's relatively short. I personally don't mind very short games as long as the ride is fun, and this ride is a fuck ton of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Then just go for it, I would say. The last thing you have to keep in mind that this game is hard as balls. Yeah. I don't say yeah. that a lot of times. Uh, it might just be me being very bad at video games again, because we all know Orko isn't that good at video games. But I fully recognize that my abilities in this game are rather limited until I play it more. I personally think, though, it's still a great game. But now we are coming in the in the in into the second discussion that we wanted to make, or do you still want to add anything to Ghost Runner? Oh, so I want to say the game looks gorgeous, and the music's absolutely phenomenal. So it's a... I think that's what carried me through a lot as well. You know, because there were there was a level where I, where I died about 45 times. What kept me retrying was just the pumping soundtrack and the awesome visuals that yeah. run super smooth. The soundtrack is actually a cyberpunk, not the game, but the entire genre. Cyberpunk is also an entire subset of uh, science fiction genre, just so people know finally that it's not just a game. <laughs> but the soundtrack is very much cyberpunk inspired and is really good. And yes, I need it in my life. And it's also a lot of synth tracks, though this is also an element it has in common with Hotline Miami. Because... Yeah. Hotline Miami had the same amazing pickings when it comes to soundtrack, and I'd even argue that Hotline Miami was the game that kicked off the entire synthwave genre oh, yeah. to yeah, begin with, sure. because Hotline Miami's soundtrack was so well handpicked. 
that everyone was like, oh my god, this is great, I need more Synthwave in my life. And then went for it. And uh, that genre saw a huge, huge surge in popularity. And I think Ghost Runner did the same. Whoever composed this, it's more original music than in Hotline Miami. I think, at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. There's, I think, most of the soundtrack would be, at least I haven't heard it anywhere else. And I'll have to look. I, I don't remember the credits, honestly. I know it's a Polish studio, and I'm not sure if the composer's Polish. Whoever he is, he did a great job. I also like the... Exactly, we. There's another thing I wanted to touch on. Despite being super simple, the story is actually fun. Managed to do. They don't have a lot of like story bits in it or video cutscenes, but what they managed to tell you through the environment and just in general communicate with the gameplay is actually pretty good. Sometimes you get a few dialogue pieces, yep. but in mm. overall, the, the game with the story is also very cyberpunkish. Because I finish it, there's a to a certain degree, it's like a it's like a light Blade Runner in a way. Uh, Blade Runner is very cyberpunkish as well, by the way. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, routes where you can trace the genre of cyberpunk oh, yeah. back. So most people would recognize the name Blade Runner. Uh, what you all should read is actually Neuromancer by William Gibson. Oh yeah, those books are great. Coincidentally, one of my favorite books of all time. And it kicked off the entire cyberpunk genre. It's basically the granddaddy of them all. And Gibson in that book predicted so much stuff like the entire hacker culture and how it would work. And he, he really put a lot of effort into that one. So you should yeah. check that one out. I mean, it's a little bit dated at this point because it's like 1981, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say that you could say that probably K-Dick predates Gibson then because yeah. he wrote the Do Android Sheep of Electronic, Electric Sheep, yeah. which is the, the Blade Runner novel. I think it was like late 70s or like mid 70s. No, sorry, just thought <laughs> But but that's like Gibson put it all together. The the do Android stream of electric sheep was a little bit different, I think. And Blade Runner just married the Dick story with uh, Gibson's sensibilities. I think. I guess. Yeah. And that is what what actually made the movie. Then back to Ghost Runner. So the story is serviceable. I wouldn't call it a masterpiece, but. I was intrigued enough to pay attention and that doesn't happen a lot in action games because I normally just skip the cutscenes and say your story is not interesting. Yeah, what's cool about it is also that if you die, you don't start say there's no set dialogue for a certain part of the game. You will yeah. hear the dialogue they have to say even through your deaths. So as you die, you will still get to hear everything they have to say for that part without having to constantly listen to the same repeating dialogue which i think is great yeah that's a great uh, that's a great touch 
which sometimes can make, especially story-heavy games that have bismal checkpoints or, you know, don't let you save. That's what sometimes lead to, like, you redoing really slow part where you just follow a character for a while and then doesn't checkpoint after that and then you die. You have to do that entire stretch again. That's another bit a detail, essentially, for in Ghost Run that makes it work so well. Yeah, you don't hear it over and over and over again. Also, Daniel Deluxe did the music. Oh, Daniel Deluxe is a good one. Yeah, I know that one. The graphics, as Bambam said, um, are really good as well. It runs... On my system, it runs very smooth. I heard it has some optimization issues. Um, I'm running it on 1070, which I recognize is not you know, the lowest of the low. But it's not either super high either, and I'm running pretty much all at max at 60 FPS, perfectly fine. Okay, just some people said it's poorly optimized and does... Uh, maybe on consoles? I can imagine there it's not going to run super well. I don't even because know if they released it on It's consoles. on PS4. It's on PS4. Um, I wouldn't want to play that on console anyways. Because... No, 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 no. Even like just because as we talked about the gameplay where you essentially where you look in is important for pla- for precise platforming yeah i can't imagine doing that with a stick maybe maybe they changed it a little bit for the ps4 i yeah i mean i tried it actually with a controller and it was even worse than with a with keyboard and mouse because the game it's not like pixel perfect what it wants from you but Fairly close. Yeah. And yeah, it's not controller for a game like this. It would have to be a bit more weighty and a third person, where because then your camera doesn't matter all that much. Then your positioning of the character matters. Yeah. And that's, I think, where a lot of the stuff about difficulty or in precise platforming come from is people are so used to playing, you know, a platformer in third person. There is so little platformer or shooters or games in first person that involve platforming now. It was much, you know, much more common. Like in a way this like this platforming, the way it handles a bit harkens more towards back games like Quake One or yeah. Yeah. Quake Two or Wolfenstein, you know. Yeah. I remember. I, yeah. I, I mean Wolfenstein and Doom didn't have jump buttons, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I personally think that you have stuff like jumping in first person is very hard to do. Very hard to do right. Yeah. Yeah. Platforming in general is way very hard to do and very hard to do right. But I think Ghost Runner managed it. But and here is the big but. And this leads us into our next topic. You have to put effort into it to learn it. Game wants you to learn it. The game is not a game that you pick up, play, and then basically just lay down again. The game demands your attention, and a lot of people seem to have an issue with that. Yeah, which is kind of weird seeing some of the negative reviews decrying the difficulty, when at the same time, I bet some of those people will put games like Dark Souls you know, on a high pedestal, you know, as gaming masterpieces, which is weird because, yes, Ghost Runner requires attention and some thought to put into it. But at the same time, it gives you so much data visually that if you know what you're looking for, 
it's actually difficult to make mistakes when it comes to actually like being bad. The, the game actively gives you all, all you need to be good. It's just you taking up, taking up on it and understanding what the game's communicating and fully engaging with it. So Ghost Runner is one of those games that benefits from longer sessions because the longer you play, the more you get in tune with the mechanics. You actually get the muscle memory and you realize, okay, this is essentially like a platforming rhythm game with some light combat. Even there's a couple of bosses and two out of the four essentially are rhythm-based. I think also what people get beefed off is the one-hit deaths. And I think that is, that's that what is, makes it yeah. that's what makes it work so well because it accentuates the super high pace the game's you know forcing you to play at. Yeah. And that's why everything also dies in one hit, aside from the bosses obviously. But every single enemy in the game, no matter how imposing they look, how many shields they have, there's always a way to kill them all in in a single hit. And I think that's what makes Ghost Runner what it is. It's the super high stakes, super high pace that forces you to take in every single nugget of information the game's streaming into your eyeballs and ears. Even like listening is a big part as well, despite all the bump in soundtrack. The sounds don't get don't get drowned out so even like you can hear that somebody fired uh, fired off a shot and it's always going to come towards you so you can essentially dash away or use your one of your upgrades for the sword and essentially deflect it against the enemy Here, here's the thing the greatest complaint i've heard or the biggest complaint i've heard from a lot of people i talk to is you die in one hit i think if you didn't die in one hit, the entire game would be pointless. Just completely take away, like you said, from the fast-paced nature of the game. Accentuates the risk-it-for-the-biscuit vibe you have. Essentially, the developers wanted that every combat encounter is a high-risk, high-stakes situation where you need to utilize your tools you have, like, for example, deflecting the shot or the grapple hook to get out of harm's way or to dash out of harm's way even. By the way, pro tip, do not dash into the shots because it will kill you. There are no invincibility frames in this game when you dash. I tried it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that was one of the things I had to get used to as well because I'm so used to playing action games where essentially that's your role. Even if they you know package it as a dash, it's always a role. You know, from Dark Souls where yeah. or you're invincible for say like third of the animation. And yeah, I I I was I was like, okay, uh, I just dash. To- they always kill me. They always kill me, and it's hard to get that out of my system. But once yeah. I got used to it and just started dashing to the sides, the combat was much smoother. The delay on if you just have one charge, uh, one dodge, the game gives you a upgrade where you have two charges for a dash. Yeah, or a you dodge, can go up to three, yeah. And you need those, by the way. It's one of 
the most important upgrades. Yeah, you can upgrade in this game as well. So just um, so you know. Can I say something? I finished yeah. the entire game with just a single dash. I never upgraded the dash charges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I personally think you really need those. It's going to make a lot of the game easier for you. But at the same time, because the upgrade system gives you so many different options, because later on you actually get an option an option to install an upgrade that makes you dash through projectiles. Yeah, but you get it much later. But at the yeah. same time, because I didn't see my... Uh, because I when I was in combat, I found that if I'm wall running and jumping in between walls, I gain momentum, I get faster. So instead of that, I just was like, I don't need all that much dashes. I just need one essentially to circle enemies that have, say, shields or to dodge bullets. Yeah. So instead of focused on actually gaining a, a faster charge on my abilities, so I can either, say, uh, mind control an enemy or send a wave of energy that's going to kill like four enemies in a row. I can see that. I mean... I'm rather at the start of the game and I chose to uh, deflect the bullets with the sword instead of the uh, additional charge I have. Because yeah, you because... get some selection of tools at the start of the game mm -hmm. once you unlock the upgrade system. And I just rolled with this uh, deflection, which is also basically a free dodging mechanic. Yep. You just have to get the timing down. And it deflects back to the enemy in the best case and kills him even. It doesn't yeah. always work, but it's a free like dodge. And you yeah, can because you have to aim it, it actually to yeah. to hit the enemy. You have to aim it at the enemy. It essentially works better than the dodge roll because mm -hmm. it doesn't have a cooldown. And that's how you play these games, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. You just you just think what the game gives you, and Gear it towards what you want to do and find the, in, in quotations, weak points of the system and exploit it. Yeah, I you. Think the, the developers were fully well aware of what they were doing. Yeah, I think that's, that's the way. The game gives you all the, all the tools you need to tailor it to your style. When you say, like, you like three dashes, and, you know, from watching you, I play other games, I know you play way more defensively, where I try to play as aggressively as I can. So that's why I always was like, I want to be right in the enemy's face. So I'd rather skill up for, you know, a way to make that a benefit for me. So I get faster recharges on all my skills that in turn help me to kill more enemies faster. While you yeah. is like, I can see like you, you essentially want to essentially dance around the enemies or reflect them, and then once you see your opening, you go in for the strike, whereas I am there to make my own opening for That's just me. You you have, like, a very different, or you can actually gear it in a way to suit the way you want to play a video game. The tools are there. You just have to use them and make it easier for you. And that is what the game wants you to do. It just wants you to, hey, we have this stuff. It yeah. demands, like we, like I already said, it demands you to do it, and probably that is the single most problem that video games in general or difficulty in general these days have. There is a subset of people who just demand everything on a silver platter, and I personally think, and I might catch flag for this, but I don't give a shit. I personally think you don't have to give everyone everything on a silver platter 
not every video game has to be for everyone. This is a yeah, think... absolutely... Sorry, just let me there finish it. I think it is an absolutely terrible mindset to have. Because why should a video game, especially a niche video game like Ghost Runner, cater to everyone? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, obviously, like you know, and so many people listening know, I absolutely adore difficult games. I do and too, despite being bad. Even playing games like that have multiple difficulties, I I always try to go at least for the sem- like semi more difficult difficulties. I sometimes I will go straight up for the hardest one, just because. But I like to also read up on difficulties. Like when I buy a game that's been a bit older, I usually go say on Reddit or somewhere and check. Like it's like, what's the best difficulty to play? You know. When you're starting, let's say how I played Days Gone, I played it on the DLC uh, difficulty they added after launch, which was actually, I think, made the game much more engaging because I've, like, that was one of the cons that a lot of people have mentioned that Days Gone has been too easy. Why don't you play it on a bigger or higher difficulty? You yeah, and, and Survival actually made, made that game super engaging because. You a you don't get hot for the most part. The Witcher vision or whatever you want to call it, detective vision, is limited. You can use it. I think you can you can use it for like five seconds, and it has it has like a half a minute cooldown before you can use it again. A lot of resources are way more limited. Zombies do I think double or triple damage. So it actually turns the the game into I think what it was supposed to be like this more involved survival game, where even because they disable the Fast travel. You can't fast travel. You you actually, if you are left with a bike that has no gas in it, you actually have to go on foot, look for gas, and go back to the bike. Essentially making your double dangerous because you have to backtrack on foot without, you know, yeah. any sort of easy way to yeah. run away from the horde if you come across a horde. But, but see, other people criticized the game then for being busy work. That's the. I mean, I didn't do it. I told everyone that Daisy is a fan. Uh, not Daisy. Uh, Days gone. Day, Days gone. Thank you. That Days gone is a fucking great game. Oh I yeah. Told everyone when it was released, and everyone is like, "Oh, Orko, look at the critics. That game can't be really good." And I was like, "Hey guys, it's better than Last of Us." And I almost was the... being stoned for that. It does. It does the zombie apocalypse story and like a character study in that environment so much better than last of us because you actually care about the character but i i just i just want to put it out there i told yeah. everyone even you when it was released get it and everyone was like nah yeah Marco, I, it, what are you saying but in the end i got it <laughs> got it and apparently uh they're doing an update for ps5 as well for it so that's oh, good. Oh god, yeah. And I can't wait like if when I pick up my PS5 sometime in the near future I will definitely replay that game game again because it's so good. Yeah, but let, let's Yeah, let's back get... back to difficulty. And yeah, yeah. and that, that was probably one of the things. It's like for me and I think for a lot of people that maybe don't recognize it now, it would make it it makes the games way more engaging if you actually have to put some effort and you struggle a bit. I recognize that there are games that are just difficult for the sake of being difficult. I think the first Surge game is an absolute piece of trash. And one of it is because they just you against enemies that do absurd, absurd amounts of damage without any forethought. 
they're just there to do loads of damage. Have them throw yourself against that until you essentially win by some miracle. Yeah, I can see that. To, to get to the point, then some people say, oh, this should have an easy mode. To go back to Ghost Runner, it shouldn't have an easy mode. No, no, no. Because it would ruin the entire game. Because it would unbalance everything in your favor. And then people would probably complain, it's too easy. <laughs> Yeah, because the, even like the entire setup is you're climbing this tower, the last bastion of humanity, yeah. to fight a tyrant that's sitting on top of the tower. And if you didn't struggle to fight, if you didn't struggle along the way, this entire story loses several of its themes. And even like the symbolism of that, you climbing a tower, that symbolism itself conveys difficulty. The entire thing is there, so the difficulty is just a natural thing that arises, and it's a big part of what makes the game what it is. It's yeah. it's also just like how fine-tuned Ghost Runner is. Yeah. We we already touched upon that, but if if anything, I mean I think if I would if if the game would give you in an easy mode like three hits until you die it would just take out the, the high-stakes gameplay because you don't have to think how or think really fast how to approach a situation. You wouldn't have, you would have more time to look around and yeah. see where can I go and then you get hit and then enemies are sliced and diced already and you're off to the next combat arena because the combat always takes place in big arenas and... Yeah. That the entire point, that the entire game would be pointless. Actually, at yeah, least and... I would argue that way. I'm pretty sure other people would argue the other way, but I don't. I still think it should have an easy mode or even be accessible for everyone. The yeah. only, the only yeah, thing well... that makes sense is just give it options for uh, people like colorblind people or something like that so they can play it if you use visual cues and even then it's like the problem if you give the player more hit points than just one in ghost runner is i don't think there is ever a combat encounter aside from the boss fights that lasts more than 30 seconds that is true um Ex if you if you just cut out your death in those encounters not lasting very long it's like a very good quickie in a side alley yeah yeah and that's what also it is because you're not fighting like a, a essentially an army you're fighting thugs hired by mara, mara. yeah mara mara the tire the turn that has overtaken the, the Th dharma tower yeah. she she d doesn't have really a military she she has just thugs gangsters she she yeah. hired and that's what you fight and I think, yeah, just like it's a it's a dirty uh, fight in a dirty alley. Exactly, and that sometimes goes really quick. Yeah, and oh. those 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 don't last long. It's like yeah, it's like just a couple of seconds, and just one side wins. And here, it's just you always try to come up, come out, you know, on top. It would go against the theme of the game. It would go against the entire vibe or what the game tries to set up to do. And that's why you, this game cannot have an easy mode. And I think people who say, no, it should still have an easy mode, very entitled. 
it goes also against the artistic vision of the game. Continue. Yeah, I just I just want to say because it's the same issue with like because I also watch like anime and movies. There's some stuff that's not going to be accessible to you unless you have you know some kind of specific piece of knowledge or you have a certain background. I always thought this as one of my absolutely favorite anime series. It's Monogatari. The entire series is very much based around the Japanese language and it can't be really localized or translated because of that. They tried and even then, unless you know a specific, like the, the very first episode of the show is you having to realize that the Japanese word for memory and weight sound the same. That's essentially the plot point of this of the entire episode and the crux of the story and the mystery behind the story and unless you realize that you're completely lost what the hell the entire story means yeah. and that's the that's the comment on accessibility as well it's like some people will you know call it a bad show just because they don't understand what it is about i think i think you fully can call something a bad joke even if yeah. you realize what it's about um the 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 question is is your criticism or is the way you view it valid would you applaud a hair hair joke or an episode of a cartoon network show that nope. has an yeah. entire uh, plot revolved around hair and hair no because here the problem is the language is so intrinsic to every no, single let me, let, yeah, yeah i know it's probably not not a very good comparison, but let me just finish it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can have your point. Would you would you cheer on a Cartoon Network show and say hair hair is an amazing concept, but like then criticize the anime for doing the same? Yes, because here it's because it's written by someone who admir admiration for language, and the language is essentially the key to the story. It's not just a single plot point the language is also essentially a character in a way and i think that's one thing that essentially people knock down it for is it's so ingrained that they as in the story that it becomes in a way inaccessible to these people that don't understand the language it's not a surface point it's not a note it's not a pun it's not a it's not something that's that hasn't had a lot of thought put into it and i think that can pertain to games as well when it comes to difficulty it's like yes we're out of the era of 8 bits arcades and whatever and i understand that you know there was in that in that era of gaming we had a lot of artificial difficulty to essentially either prolong the rent pe rental periods on video games or it was to suck out all the quarters you had with you that day but now when it comes to difficulty in games some of the best games i've ever played were also some of the hardest games i've ever played it's like vanquish bayonetta uh, devil may cry uh, dark souls demon souls i think you know people, ghost runner i think people who who say that you need a that that we are out of the arcades area in the games where it's designed to suck the quarters all of your pocket. I think that I, I know that you wouldn't make this argument generally, but I, I personally think that this is a terrible argument to make just because uh, games were hard for a reason back then to get more money out of you. Because people also ro roll with loot boxes these days and skins and microtransactions. Yeah. 
which are designed to suck the time out of you, and people are seemingly be very okay with it as well. And that's not even a false equivalency at this point. Yeah, no, yeah, fully. Because it's either, like, yes, like, I actually, yesterday I've played uh, the arcade collection, the Capcom arcade collection I got on PS4. I've played some of the uh, Knights of the Round, and I can see, like, that game has parts that unless you know they're coming, they will kill you right away because you're not ready for them. On my second playthrough, I think I died like twice yeah. because you know yeah. the game and that's that's it. Like arcade games were essentially built on the gacha moment. Exactly. But uh, like once you understand them, it's like the games, yes, were difficult, but they were designed to be played over and over in a competitive environment such as our Japanese arcades as well, because the scores there, like on some of the arcade machines there are decades old at this point, yeah. and they still keep scores of some of the players. So I think it's, in a way, it's a bit cool like that. It's just, but yeah, I think the difficulty is, it has to be implemented well. As I mentioned, I think the first Surge game is absolute trash because of that. It's just difficult for the sake of being difficult. If you if you if you look oh, another good example for a hard trash difficulty is for example all Call of Duty games because yeah, and, and it, here here's the thing why also a high difficulty can destroy a game because Call of Duty is always like built around realism or yeah. pseudo realism in in quotations. And if you play that on the highest difficulty, and I've finished a bunch of them on the highest difficulty, actually, on my PlayStation. The, the thing about this is, you see, for example, I, I still remember one thing. Let me lay down the controller on the original Black Ops campaign for three months on the highest difficulty. I was seeing Russians running in the distance. And one of them started just hip-firing me, like he was running straight but firing from the side. In a normal, real-life scenario, you get to cover and he didn't hit shit. In Call of Duty, he killed me. With three hits. This okay. game, and the aiming of the enemy in this game on the hardest difficulty, they are like fucking aimbots. Yeah, they are pretty much. No, I'm not dealing with that because that's horseshit. Yeah, that's the artificial difficulty. Dif the difficulty modes, there's no reason to have them unless your game changes dramatically or yeah. changes in some ways other than just fiddling with damage numbers. Here and here is here is another tidbit of artificial difficulty and everything. As much as I love that side in Tarkov. They have both the same issue. If you are in the PvP, uh, PvE environment, and then we are coming to another game I, I play a lot as of late, and why it does it better. If you are in the PvE environment at Dead Side and uh, Tarkov, it can happen that one of the enemies, because uh, there's also RNG involved to a degree, that they just aimbot you right in the face. I've had it happen that in Tarkov I had a helmet on, face shield and everything geared up and ready to go and I just turned the corner because I knew somebody was there and I just got aimbotted right in the face with a toss. A short shotgun that is basically a, also a repeater shotgun. 
so you have to crank something to reload it. It's one of the worst weapons in the game. A lot of people always say, argue, that's the game, and I can see that argument. And I also say, okay, that's the game, that's just Tarkov. Uh, there's a phrase in the Tarkov community that just as you've got Tarkov. And that exists for a reason. But that's just like shit difficulty management. I just say it uh, how it is. I put I put up with it because I like Tarkov for other reasons as well. But that stuff happens. And if you just get aimbotted, it's very frustrating. The same goes for Dead Side. There is another game called Hunt Showdown. That has a similar concept like of those two, but it mitigates this issue in PvE and PvP very uh, in P PvE, not PvP, just PvE, very, very smartly. And you know how it does that because you have played it as well. The enemies do not use guns. Oh yeah, yeah, there are just many enemies here. Yeah, and here and you you might think to yourself. Uh, just the enemies? Huh, that doesn't sound hard. So, the enemies in Hunt aren't too hard, but they can take you. They, they have a few advantages over you. First, they can take you by surprise, because sometimes a zombie just runs up on you and you do not notice it and just scratches you in the back. They have the advantage of numbers, and your weaponry and the way it is designed often doesn't have a fast-firing mode. You need a perk for that, and that perk is very expensive. Just one yeah. example and, for it. And also, engaging with the enemy causes a secondary danger, which is alarming other players. Exactly. You want to you wanna sneak through that game, maybe punch a zombie here and there, to not draw too much attention to yourself and others. I was going to say that also, I think what's when we talk about difficult games, it's also order roguelites, roguelikes, rogues, and some of them are just straight up bullshit. But recently I've played Hades, which is the darling of the year, and Mechanicus, the Warhammer 40k roguelike. And those games have amazing take on scaling difficulty because, yes, they have their own presets, but then there's the custom option in Mechanicus especially and you can essentially fine-tune the game to this to an insane degree where okay maybe you want the combat to be more difficult but maybe you want less you know bullshit RNG so you can do that or uh, you can uh, I think it's some of the gain of resources you can uh, make faster or slower whatever so actually I like that that there's they still have that option in Hades, actually, you unlock an option that you can scale the difficulty. You have at least two dozen factors you can adjust for the game. But each time you do, you actually you also get new sets of rewards. So it actually forces you, and you actually want to get better because you get rewarded for it. And I think oh. that's that's a good way to do to at least introduce the player to, hey, maybe you want to challenge yourself. But also, when you challenge yourself, you're not go, you know, you're not gonna come out out of it empty-handed. You actually get something out of it, aside from also getting the secondary, uh, secondary thing is you actually get better at the game. Yeah, there's I, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can uh, say. I think that the main issue of people saying the game should be easy or the game should be more accessible is maybe I'm just over oversimplifying it, but often I find it just boils down to I don't want to learn the game really. I just want to play it because I like the visuals, I like the music. Yeah, I it still, doesn't think. I, I still remember the entire debate on Cuphead when people were like, oh, uh, people should be able to finish Cuphead because they bought it and they like the visuals. No! Learn the fucking game! Because I the mean, visuals are part of your... I mean, I haven't played Cuphead, but at the same time, isn't the entire game also about essentially you making even thematically it makes sense for it to be difficult because obviously when you make it a deal with the devil it's not going to make it easy on you even thematically yes but what what cuphead really is is just a it's a mega man game pro- prolonged boss rush mode with yeah, yeah. some levels interspersed with it that's just that that's all it is i know it's yeah. it's unfair to break it down like that but it's a really good game the only there are Two bullshit bosses I really fucking hate it. And mm. that one is the dragon, and the other one is the bean uh bee queen because there is RNG involved to a degree. And oh, you don't wanna that... have that in your yeah. game. The other ones were fine. They were just balls ass hard. The game gives you gives you tools to mitigate that and mm-hmm. everything, but that's that's just the thing. Yeah. Yeah, isn't there essentially like a parry mechanic in the game to make it easier on you? Yes, yes. There's, there's, you can, you get trinkets from the bosses and everything. Yeah. Or stuff you can equip to make it easier for you. Yeah. There's stuff I, in there. Some attacks or some. Sometimes you just have to dodge an attack because the parry mechanic wouldn't work on it. I'm not the biggest Mega Man fan, but I remember, like, people still to this day hold Mega Man games in extremely high regard and those games are some of them are extremely difficult as well and it's weird that we get called uh, that you know newer games get called called out for having to include everyone to be able to play them older games get even praised for being difficult and still are called classics get no, not t- t- tore down over this because and... because people have a different viewpoint on those because if you think about it they probably would just make the argument something like yeah those were the times but we have different times now and yeah. gaming should be accessible to your grandma i mean if my grandma would have played video games i'd be over the moon they do not they will not play your video games despite I mean... what you may think I don't think Granny will pick up Ghost Runner because it has an easy mode now. Yeah, no, I. it's like, hell, even my mom, she finished Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3. And those are, like, especially the first one, that's a, that's a bitch-ass hard game. That's why she kept going, it's like, because she's a casual gamer, she plays occasionally, like, because uh, they still have, like, a Wii U at home, so they play Mario, stuff like that. The older Mario games, not easy either. And even, like, some of the more recent ones, not super easy. Yeah. yeah, they're not as hard as like, you know, like the lost lost levels. But at the same time, it's like even like my parents that are well over in their 50s, they play those games and they're like, fine. Like, I don't hear them like complaining. It's like, yeah, they will like exasperate when they die or whatever. 
but at the same time it's all in the it's all in, in the nature of game they don't get mad they just think it's funny that's outlook that's why i have that outlook that i think difficult is not something to moan over because in the end if it's intrinsic to the design of the game it's there for a reason yes there are games with artificial difficulty where it's just difficult for the sake of being difficult or the higher difficulty modes are there just with tweaked numbers and not much else as i said like ghost runner is one of those games that the game being difficult is what makes the game what it is that's what makes it so good i i think it's alarming in a way that we're getting these voices keep coming back that games should all inclusive no, and every ga- no gaming as a ge- gaming in general should be yes all inclusive but not every single game should be conforming to standards like that yeah and because I don't... then i can i never do that but then i could just go around and say why doesn't have my walking simulator shooting in it yeah exactly I was just gonna say it's like I find your machine for pigs inaccessible because I can't shoot shoot to the pigs. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, instead I just choose not to play them, except if my audience requires it. But then I wouldn't still make the point of uh, shooting would be better. Yeah, to no. have in there because it, I just find it terrible, boring, probably, and just want to end yeah. myself over it because I'm so bored playing it. It's like when, uh, because you recently saw you played the Song of Horror, right? Yeah. The Song so, of Horror, that that game, it's a it's a, essentially a completely combatless game. Yeah, but it's a horror I game. Had, I had more, f- I I had fun playing it yesterday. It wasn't like I, I didn't feel like the needed needed horror. Uh, it needed combat. The the only thing, but that was probably me being a potato. Was like I was lost a few times, really. I get it, but at the same time, like that's also one of the core designs of the thing, is because you can listen because you have to watch out for this presence, which is like pure evil, from Lovecraft's writing. You can go and essentially the game is about this is way more involved amnesia. It's all it's about exploration of the environment, solving puzzles. But at the same time, you also avoid this presence, and the way you avoid it is you listen to doors. If if the, the back of the doors and still the sounds, the best I could describe it is pure evil. You don't open that door, otherwise you die. But also there's like points where it's like obviously it's like do you want to stick your hand in the, this bath that's full of murky water? You're in a horror game, of course you're not gonna do that, right? I mean, um, I did it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's it's a, it's a difficult game because in a way you have to manage so many things because you're looking for the puzzles you also manage your character who can you know if you're making also too much noise you call the presence to you so you have to run away and hide and you have to manage all of that juggle it with exploration that game i like because it's a as I said, it's way more involved than a lot of those uh, working, walking simulator games. It expects more out of you. It is ex- expect, uh, expects you to be more aware of what's happening. It's like, oh, what's that weird sound in the background? Or, okay, I see there's like a background gag where a character just, you're going up the stairs and in the background you see like a character you haven't seen yet just go through a door and close that behind them, disappearing in darkness. 
So that might be like, oh, that's a hint that, you know, the presence is getting near. So soon I might get an event where I'm going to have to hide. And at the same time, you also get puzzles that are involved because they require you to logically think about all the, all the clues you've got. That's a difficulty in a different way because it expects you to manage more. It's not strictly more mechanically demanding. It's just more, more stress put on the player in, in a way that you have to deal with more than your average horror game. Yeah, I mean, you have games like other other horror games like Dead Rising who had a difficulty through their time limits because if yeah. you... I mean, you could o- o- always waste time and uh, never mm-hmm. finish the game at all. But yeah, the, the time limit actually added to the difficulty because I wanted to manage my stuff that I would see everything mm-hmm. in that yeah. time frame. And that's that's another term of difficulty, like time management, yeah. or that the same goes for Pathfinder. They yeah. had a, a very very generous ninety days time limit at the start, just for the first chapter. Just <laughs> for the first chapter, <laughs> and people were seething mad about it, and I didn't get it. I have like the the game even tells you flat out you have only this amount of time and in game dialogue to co- accomplish this mission. And yeah, I did all the side quests as well. Yeah, and, it's it's a very generous time limit. Yeah, and and people were like, "Uh, that's that. I failed the first mission because time limit." What were you doing? Yeah, it's like, how bad do you have to be to waste, essentially, what you yeah. can finish in about half that time? If you are really bad at it, like me, then you take 60 days with every side <laughs> quest that's available to you. Yeah, and you, st- you still get, like, one-third. Like, you, you only use two-thirds of the time, essentially. Yeah, and I finished the quest. I I did get it, and... I think they have now an option in place where you just can turn off the time limit. I'm like, what's the point <laughs> in even having it in in-game dialogue telling you you only have that amount of time? Yeah, it's it's like now thinking back because obviously I'm a giant Resident Evil fanboy. I remember, I distinctly remember people singing praises of the Madhouse difficulty in RE7, and I'm gonna say that difficulty is the way to play, play Resident Evil Seven. It's easily the best experience you can get with it. Yeah. But yeah, at the same I, time, I, I guess there wasn't a big hoo-ha about it because the game also has like a normal difficulty, which is still challenging for your first time through, but it's not too tough. It's much the same with the the professional difficulty or the, the, the highest difficulty for Resident Evil 2 Remake. Shuffles around some items, but most importantly, you have limited saves and you don't get to restart at checkpoints. So you do to a degree, but yeah. I I personally think that uh, if you if you play Resident Evil Seven, the way to play it is play it at least once on a lower difficulty, and then go to the Madhouse difficulty. Mm-hmm. Because and and this is this is another argument. Sometimes uh, for higher difficulty, you get more out of the game because, yes. like one mom said, it remixes the game to a degree. Where you have, where you can still use the knowledge you have to, 
where you that that you gathered in your first playthrough, but you have to reapply it. And that yes. is what makes this difficulty so good. And I think that's that's my issue with arbitrary difficulty modes. They don't do that. That comes back to Call of Duty. No, they don't yeah. do that. They just aim at you in the face. Yeah, they just tweak numbers, damage numbers, your hit points, yeah. and the aim assist on the enemies. That's why I love the Madhouse difficulty and say this again we're gonna mention Hades. There's even adjustments to difficulty you can do in Hades that completely change the boss fights and there's three levels to that. And there is one that's hidden so there's technically four. And each of them essentially changes each and every single boss encounter. It's hard it's harder or unlock difficulty done wrong if they don't add anything to the experience. Yeah. Because what you essentially wanna do with an unlocked harder difficulty is Obviously, we want to get the players who played your game in the first place back because it's a remix of what you essentially post at the start. So yeah. you give that player who just finished your game a new challenge. I, I know, for example, The Last of Us 2 has an unlockable difficulty mode. I don't see the, I don't see the point in that one. The Last yep. of Us might be a smaller game who doesn't, that doesn't have any difficulty whatsoever because the gameplay is not the point of the game. Yep. That's another discussion. Yeah, unlockable difficulties are tough in that regard. It's like, that's like you, in that, I always come back in my mind to Capcom games. It's like even Devil May Cry or Bayonetta, you know, those games, it's like, no, obviously Bayonetta's not a Capcom game, but, you know, Kamiya. That's he's still yeah, a Capcom guy yeah, for, for me. Yeah. If you go to the unlockable difficulties or the harder difficulties, they remix very much almost every single encounter. You yeah. get like harder enemies, you get them introduced earlier in the game, they get you know applied modifiers and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, that's how you do it. They don't do it only with the unlockable difficulties, they even do that you know through the base difficulties. Even uh, the PC version of Resident Evil 4, actually, if you play it on easy. Some of the sections are cut out. Some of the more difficult sections of the game are cut out. There's the tower that you have to climb up and get down in the elevator after you escape the giant uh, Salazar Mac. That that part on the easy mode is completely cut out. There is another part, one of the castle parts again is completely cut out as well. Some of the enemies don't appear in the game. They are slower, do less damage and stuff like that. It's I kind of actually it makes like an intro. It's a good introduction to the game if you're not feeling super confident. But at the same time, once you get into the, you know, normal and professional difficulties, you're like, oh, there's more to this game. And it's, again, a nice remix. And I kind of wish games still put more thought into their difficulties. It's not just the numbers that make the game harder or easier. Because in the end, like, if it's just, you know, oh, I'm going to tweak the number of HP on an enemy. I'm just going to spend more time shooting the enemy. It's not harder, it's just more time consuming. And in the end, it's just chore. It's not It's not something that's going to enhance the experience. It's just going to make me despise the game later on. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also the point where that argument might come up from. It's some of the people just got burned on bad, badly designed difficulties. And now we're just prone to essentially give up when a game, even as well as designed as, say, 
Ghost Runner does pose a certain amount of challenge. The entire issue is that in the last decade, we have seen bad difficulty or poorly made high difficulty in spades. And people are just tired of it, like you said. And the other thing is that in our in two days, our society is that we that we yeah, do it's... not appreciate a challenge anymore. But that's more intrinsic in our society and I just don't wanna to touch on that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're living in a society of participation awards. Yes, exactly. Cannot be good at everything. That's just the nature of the game. I want to cut it here because we have been rambling for like 90 minutes on that topic. Dear listener, if you made it through, you are amazing. I'm gonna go and do something else now. And you have been an amazing audience as always. Thank you, everyone. Take good care of yourselves and bye-bye. You're a singer, Bye.